Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. We are back for another Q&A with Abigail and Emily. I feel like we should have like different music for this. We sometimes, not necessarily on a regular schedule, but allow the audience, allow you, allow the voice, allow the peoples to submit questions over in our Facebook community, which if you're not there, you can be sure to get your booty in there for free at thinkcreativecollective.com slash community. And every so often we post up a thread of what are your burning questions? And it could be anything, business, life, literally anything is on the table. And we recently did this just a couple days ago and we got a bunch of really, really good questions. So we're just going to run through them in order today and tackle them. And so hopefully we're answering your question on air and you're getting some, you know, free coaching today, some strategy, if you will. Whoop, whoop. Okay, well, let's start with one of our favorites, Jordan's. Um, yes. And she wants to know, one of my first projects for 2018 is creating and launching a new website. I want to take advantage of such a huge project. What are some of your favorite marketing ideas for celebrating a new site? So I think for you, Jordan, I would really concentrate on what do the people want? <laughs> Which I know that sounds a little weird, but this goes for anybody. When you're launching something new, as much as we want to make it about ourselves, we have to make it about our potential customers, potential yeah. clients. How can you bring the attention to them? So if you're celebrating a new site, do you give a bunch of product away? Do you have a big contest? What can you do to get people excited and thinking about what you offer? Yeah. So a couple different ways that we've done this in the past is done like sneak peeks or countdown type of atmosphere over on Instagram or in our blog or in our email or all of the above. And we've just picked a day, like if it's 30 day countdown, 10 day countdown, it doesn't matter. And each of those days we will share a new highlight of what's changing about the website. So like, I'm super excited to offer you this new cool thing that you're going to get to see in 10 days and to build up hype. Like I want you to enter to win this t-shirt or this mug or whatever it is that you want to offer. You can even get some of your other like-minded biz babes to contribute to your giveaways. And it's literally just to get people hyped up and enticed. So getting people to share with their friends, to comment, to engage on your post about what are they excited about to see from the new site, what's their favorite product that you offer, really just to kind of boost that visibility. So once the doors are open to your new website, you've kind of like done the algorithm friendly things for a week or more. So other people's eyeballs, as many people's eyeballs as possible, 
gets to see that your new website has opened and is officially in use. Yeah, you basically just need to stir up engagement because engagement more than anything else is going to allow for more eyeballs uh, later down the line when you post. So focus on that. Yep. So Andrea is asking, even if you know how to do something like SEO, are there really experts who know so much more that it's worth hiring them? So I think this is a great question. And Kit replied to Andrea's comment and was like, oh, yes, I really want to know this. So sometimes it takes a while to be comfortable to hire someone out for something that you do good enough or like pretty okay. And you've gotten yourself pretty far in your business by bootstrapping it, DIYing it, whatever. But there comes a point to where if you are not literally selling packages on SEO, you don't need to be spending that much time analyzing and tweaking and perfecting your SEO in your business. Like if that's not your thing that your business is, that's probably not where your zone of genius is either. And I would rather you be able to show up for your clients and customers in the way that they need you instead of you wearing yet one more hat in your business. So I would really think about this like, okay, I charge X amount to do X, Y, Z. A, what Emily said, like if it's not in your wheelhouse, then definitely disregard. But if it is in your wheelhouse, like is your time better spent somewhere else and really know really know that. Also, I just want to point out, we've done this multiple times in our own business. We've hired photographers. Emily used to be a professional photographer. We've hired a website designer. Like that's what I used to do for a living. So sometimes it's good. Even if you think you can do a fabulous job, sometimes it's good just for the sake of you get to be out of your own head about it and someone else can come in and really analyze you in ways that you might not think. So I don't regret ever hiring someone to do something that we used to do for a living. Mm -mm. Yeah. And going off of what you were saying earlier, like if you could sell a package or a product or a service to someone for 500 bucks, right. And you could do that with a 15 minute consult call or after hopping off of a webinar or whatever it may be for you, but it's going to take you six hours to like make sure all your tags are working and analyzing the data on Google and like perfecting the titles of your blog posts and whatever it is that you're doing to boost your SEO you might literally be wasting money doing it yourself. Right. right. That's where I was going and I apparently it. just stopped my own train. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. Christina wants to know, I'd like to know more about the time you were launching every two weeks. I'm at the point where I launch one course twice a year, another one evergreen, and have a smaller course that I'd like to launch once a month privately to my new subscribers. What's the best way to do this for products that range from $200 to $400? Yeah, so my first initial response to her was just the quick version is because she asked which one is better, launching once or launching multiple times a year, like every two weeks. And I said, well, the short answer for us was launching less. We were able to launch twice as less or even less than that. We launched about 24 times last year and we'll be launching about five or so times this year and making about double the money. And so she's like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense because now you have a premium product, but her products are solid in the 200 to $400 range. So her, like her actual deal is she's either going to launch once or twice a year and she's going to need a butt ton of people on her email list and in her audience and that conversion is going to need to be really high or she's going to want to launch multiple times a year so she doesn't have to have such extravagant huge launches. Like those are her options. Right. I think, you know, both work. Like there's nothing wrong with either approach, but you just have to spend your time perfecting what works for you and your audience. So the more times you can try it, the more times you can tweak. Just to give you some perspective, I know someone, now this is going to sound absolutely insane to you. So I'm just telling you now, but she wanted to launch. She has one program that's in the price range you're talking about. She has one program and she launches it once a month on a live webinar similar to what you're talking about. 
and she does it specifically to new subscribers. But in order to get enough new subscribers to make it worth her time, she spends $100,000 a month on Facebook ads, and she makes over $500,000 a month. So we're not saying that those are the goals that you need to have, and that's what's going to make it worthwhile to you. But what I would suggest doing is looking at your Facebook spend, because what you need to do and what we realized that we were going to continue to have to do is even if you're launching every two weeks and like you're okay with smaller numbers because you're launching more often, you're going to burn out the people on your list and they're going to get tired of it real fast. And that's what we were getting to that point of. So you're going to need a new churn of people like often, like new eyeballs on that content in order for them to say yes, especially if you're doing it that often. So you're going to need like more subscribers more quickly. The best way to get that to this day is by running Facebook ads. And so I would really consider like, okay, have one launch, make like a good chunk of money. Can you take a little bit of that budget Spend it on your next launch a couple weeks later to try to get some new eyeballs on your content and then literally just rinse and repeat. So maybe you cut back from two webinars a month to one webinar a month by being able to get in some new eyeballs. And if they're super warm and super engaged, you need less people to have to convert. So I would really look into what's your budget in order to bring in new people. But I also think she specifically, because we were kind of chatting about this a little bit on the thread... Like literally, what did it look like when we were launching every two weeks? So what were we doing with our audience? How were we like structuring that in our day to day? So I want to kind of go over that for a second because it seems a little bit overwhelming for some people, but we had it down to almost like a science because we were doing it so often. So we would like rotate in and out one, two, three, three programs four programs. I think four-ish. Four-ish programs. So every two months, it would be two different programs, right? So what we would do is literally just like, okay, this is the day we're going to have the webinar. So we need to send maybe one to two emails prior to that webinar that, hey, we're going to have a webinar. And we would hit social really hard because that's where we would convert a lot of our people to sign up for a webinar. So a lot of Instagram posts would come out. Here are your pain points. Here's what you're struggling with. Here's what we're going to teach you in the webinar. It's going to be awesome. Come to this webinar. It's free. It's free. It's free. So everyone would show up at the end of that webinar. We would pitch the program. They would buy in. For seven days, the cart would be open. We would be sending them a couple of emails. Honestly, not that many. Not as many as we send now. And during that time when those emails were going out, we would have some social media posts going out, but we would be prepping for the next launch. So writing the emails that are going to get people to come to the next webinar, scheduling it out, adjusting slides on that, adjusting the offer, making sure the course is like pinned down to to exactly what we wanted it to be. Send out some emails to, hey, come to this webinar, open the doors, rinse and repeat. And we would do that every two weeks. So the reason it didn't work as well is really because there was so little time we got to spend on like putting the effort in. So I mean, and being there for our people (laughs) and being there. So I would urge you, regardless of how often you decide to launch, focus on really engaging with your people, focus Mm -hmm. on growing your email list, your email list growth needs to be your number one priority, the sales will happen with enough new eyeballs. So I'm not saying Lord, I am not saying you need to spend $100,000 on Facebook ads. No. You could spend $100 or $500 and get new people in on a regular basis. But that's the easiest, quickest way we've ever seen to do that. Okay, Mm -hmm. moving on. (laughs) Ashley DeLuca wants to know, are we bringing back your business horoscope? Yes and no. So... Yes, it still exists. Yes, you can still you get your hands on it. The only way you can do that is by enrolling in the Strategy Academy. And the reason why we did that is because we launched it on its own as like a live workshop for the very first, like for its first time, oh, like a year ago almost. And it went well, like people loved it. People signed up, people bought their tickets, they came, it went great. But what we found was like, people don't realize the power and the amazingness of that program until they A, go through it, 
and B, kind of couple it with some other strategies that we teach them in a couple of different other aspects, specifically in the Strategy Academy. And so we wanted it to be used for its fullest advantage. So we think it pairs very nicely, just like like chicken and wine, you know. Chicken and wine? Chicken and wine. (laughs) How about peanut butter and jelly? I know you're allergic. I know you're allergic. Let it go. Like coffee and milk. You know, it just like hangs out. You are really bad at these analogies now. (laughs) So you can get it inside the Strategy Academy. All right. Yay. Okay. So Ashley has another question. She wants to know if you could go back to one day when you started your business to day one of when you started your business, what would you wish you knew? And we actually thought about these before we hit record. So we actually have real answers for you. So you go first. Okay. So my first reaction I think was the wrong reaction. What what did I tell you, Emily? You said... You told me, I wish I had known that it's just going to take patience and time in order for me to reach my goals. So... And I said... You said that I think that's what you think everybody else should know. That's what you wish people would know. Yeah, but not what I wish I would know. So what I wish I would have known is that pivoting ultimately, because keep in mind, we used to run a service-based business. Okay. I wish I had known when we were running a service space business that pivoting to an education only company would in fact be more profitable and more rewarding and more fun <laughs> than doing what we were doing at the time. I think I was really scared to make the change and make the leap and very, very hesitant to let clients go. Yeah. I even cheated on the process multiple times and would take clients in secret behind Emily's back because I was just mm-hmm. so nervous. But now we don't work with any clients. Mm-hmm. And I work so much less under so much mm-hmm. less stress. And we make way more money. Yeah. My thing is, and this might sound like spidey, but I'm just going to say it anyways, because it was my gut reaction. I wish I had known on day one that I would reach hella progress and check off some hella goals and meet some incredible people and be really, really fucking proud of what I created without the help of anyone internet famous without the help of having an inner circle of really cool people. Because I thought on day one, my biggest priority is needing to get to meet other people and get into their inner circle fast, because that's what's going to help me move forward. If I could just get a shout out from this person, if I could just call this person my friend, then that's the thing that would really help propel me forward. And time and time again, even though we've tried to do that, actually a lot in our business, and it's not gone well, it just like hasn't happened. And I think we take that as like, well, you know what, then fuck it. Like we will just do it our way. And we're going to get there anyways. And then it happens like 10 times better than we could have imagined. So I think I seeded this in your brain yesterday when (laughs) I was telling you my idea for another podcast episode. But whatever, that can be your thing. I'll let it go. (laughs) (laughs) So Ashley has one more question. Okay, let's do it. I have been listening to all your episodes. Yay. Thank you. In regards uh, to your months and what you've been up to. So incredibly inspiring. As I plan for 2018, I'm wondering what else I should be sure to schedule in for big picture besides the launch of my challenges and courses. Anything else you would recommend? I'm a digital marketing and web strategist who empowers female millennial entrepreneurs by creating a web design and foolproof strategy in 30 days if that helps. So like what other goals outside of I want to launch this thing and do some challenges and create some courses? So I'm just going to go back to the basics and tell you yeah, really, 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 really focusing. Really, really, really. Really focusing. And this goes for all of you. I know you all hate this answer, but it's so important. That email list, yo. It's so important. Grow it. Work Mm -hmm. on making that your priority. Back when we were running a web design company, that was still our priority. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Because you never know when you're going to shift. And especially because you're wanting to do challenges and courses, challenges is what's going to help you grow your email list, but have a strategy of nurturing them after the fact, making sure you know what they need and what they want. And like, what's your plan of continuing to talk to them outside of a launch? Like, and I'm saying this from like current experience of we're still figuring that out. And so I'm wanting you to do it better than we did. So that's why I'm like kind of hounding it into yeah. you. Crucial, crucial, crucial. All right. Alexandra says, is there a way to do a launch like a challenge or a webinar that leads to generation of sales for an evergreen service? In a perfect world, I'd love to do a launch to book up a few months worth of clients at a time. That way I'm not constantly scrambling for the next client or how I'm going to make money next month. And P.S. She is in branding and website design. Okay. So yes, there is a way to do a launch like a challenge or a webinar that leads to generation of sales for your services. And I really, I love that your headspace is here because I wish more people treated it like that. Because I think so many service-based people are in that like, where's my next client coming from? I need to get more clients on my roster. I don't have a client next week. And this one's going to be wrapping up at this time. And then I have this dead space. And what am I going to do to fill it? And so then what that equals is all of your days are spent working on current client work and getting new clients. And while yes, that's the thing that's bringing you in money and making your clients happy. That's not the thing that's growing your business. That's not the thing that's making you get clients any easier. If you're constantly hustling about it, it's never going to come simply to you. So I love that your headspace is there. But yeah, for example, you could do a challenge like Abby suggested one before we got on this, finding your brand voice, host a free challenge. What are some tactics you can teach your ideal audience on how to find something that's that perfect step zero that they need to accomplish before working with you? So you can you can find this, maybe it's not brand voice, but you can you can ask yourself this question. What is the thing that when my clients come in the door and I'm done working with them or I'm in the middle of working with them, if I'm like, oh, we have to kind of backtrack and I have to teach them or work through them with this thing and they didn't really get that, but they need to get it in order for us to move forward. Mm -hmm. What is that thing that you wish your clients knew before working with you and teach it to them for free? Teach it to them because it's going to help you so much because ultimately... My goal for any service-based business is for you to be booked out. Um, so yeah. that doesn't have to be your focus. You could be booked out for the entire year if you want True. to. I'm suggesting you start it with quarters. So like how many clients do you need at a certain price point per quarter to reach your financial goals? Mm-hmm. Okay, is it five? Is it 10? Is it three? Is it 15? What is that number? And then... Create a challenge or a webinar or series of those things to get those people in the door, on the books, and scheduled out, and then love on them, do their work, grow your presence and your visibility, work on your blog, work on your nurturing, work on all of those other channels. In three months, do the same thing again. Host a challenge, do a webinar. If it worked and you liked it, do it again. And rinse and repeat. Well, and the cool thing is once you're booked out, that allows you to focus on other strategies. So you can focus Mm -hmm. on things that are going to grow your business in other ways, maybe perhaps ways where you don't have to touch or handhold all of these. It also might get to the point where you're like, okay, I'm excellent at booking people, but I don't want to be the one doing all of the work. And so you could build out the agency type model. Yep. There's a lot of opportunities. Or you can add on other things like, oh, my clients always need copywriting, but that's not something I can offer them. Let me collaborate with another copywriter and we can offer a brand new package together. Like that's when your headspace is going to be able to see those holes and see those opportunities when you're not stressed about getting people on the books. Right. So I hope that gave you some ideas. Happy to chat about it further inside the group. Okay. Vanessa says how to create a limited time challenge, like the sexy systems challenge, and how to actually get people in the door when you don't have a huge list. I want to host a challenge, but I'm nervous about only offering it a limited time because what if no one shows up? I have an idea to create a free challenge, package it as a workshop, bundle it with goodies, offer it for sale, all to promote my bigger offer. So I have the concept down, but specifically just the how to get more eyes on it, preferably without using Facebook ads. 
Yeah. So, A, let's take it back a notch and talk about the piece where you said, but what if no one shows up? Mm-hmm. I think we need to tackle that mindset piece before we can throw some strategies at you because we can throw all the great strategies that we know are going to work. But if you still don't believe that it's going to work, it's not going to work. So this is the biggest fear for anyone hosting their first webinar, their first challenge, their first summit, their first Facebook live, like whatever it is, right? Where we're asking people to come and we're showing up expecting people to be there. But what the French toast if no one comes? So what? If you let that potential of no one showing up, because you're never guaranteed anyone to show up, even if we have 2000 people sign up for something, I don't know if anyone's going to come to that webinar, if anyone's actually going to make it onto that Facebook live. So what? You do it anyways, because with the type of content that we're able to create online, a challenge, a Facebook live, a webinar, it doesn't matter. All of that can be repurposed for something else and reshared somewhere else and reused down the line. So it's never, ever, ever a waste. It's not like you're literally sitting in a physical store with tables and chairs and goodies and food and catering, and then no one shows up. All of that's a literal waste. But in the online digital world, you can take and reuse that content however you want. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. So as far as how to get people on it and get more eyeballs on it, you have to really focus on 
having your people share with other people. So Mm -hmm. back when, before Facebook ads, when we were just sharing, perhaps to get people signed up for a webinar, we really could tap out at three to 600 people. Like literally Mm -hmm. that was just the extent of, okay, I'm going to email a couple of times and I'm going to put this out on social and I'm going to ask people to share. And that was like the maximum capacity we could get to and about a week worth of promotion leading up to it. Mm -hmm. So you're going to figure out over time, what is like your maximum capacity? What can you reasonably do over like a week? But I think a lot of it is focusing on taking your current email list, emailing them two or three times to get them excited about it. Tell them what's coming. Ask them to opt Mm -hmm. in to your challenge. Don't just say, we're going to be doing a challenge next week. Like have them physically sign up for it. It could be like a one click Mm -hmm. thing, but they need to, but it just tags them as interested. Right. They need to say I'm interested. Okay. And then once they're interested, send them a follow up email that says you're in like, I'm so excited for you. Would you please share and have the give them the materials to share on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or all of the above and then really emphasize that. And then on your social media, you it's all about being consistent. So you have mm-hmm. to show up and show up and show up and there's just no break in that. And you kind of just have to treat it like I'm going to invite all these people and they're all going to come. And I just know that they're all going to be here. It's super valuable and they're going to come. I remember my first webinar, I think there was 12 people on Mm -hmm. and like, that was awesome. And I, I converted, I sold a course at the end and people bought it and that was amazing. And so it just grew from there. We've had webinars where there are less than a hundred people and like almost a thousand people. Like it just, it fluctuates over time. And as you get more visibility, but you don't have to have a huge list to try something like it can be tiny And this is kind of one of those, like, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Like, I need people to show up, but I don't have enough people in my audience to show up. So, like, what if no one shows up? But you just have to keep talking about it. Like, it's the next best thing. People are going to come. It's going to be great. And make it super easy for people to invite and share. That was, like, I think one of the best strategies we did for almost a year. It's not as as effective now because I just think the numbers are so, like, saturated because our list is bigger. But, like... At the beginning, getting people to share that on Instagram, like we would literally provide them a graphic and a script was huge for getting us in front of other people. Mm-hmm. It, it was super helpful. Okay. So you've got yeah. All right. Jordan wants to know challenge ideas for product businesses. Well, we were chatting about this. We know a lot about Jordan's particular business. So we were trying... She's in Geek Chic Apparel, by yeah. the way. So she sells stuff like related to Harry Potter or any comic book or super nerdy shows on television, yeah. movies, whatever. So I really would focus on what can you do to drum up the people that tend to buy from you? So what other things are they interested in that just kind of makes them a part of your audience. So one of the things I was brainstorming with Emily on was like a challenge around doing some kind of fandom. So like writing a new ending to Harry Potter or writing a new ending to just enter any XYZ thing. Well, and I think what we determined is that for specifically for Jordan, it might not so much be a challenge, but a contest. But you treat it the same. So like enter to be able to like actually submit for this contest. You have to sign up with your email. It's going to be write a new ending to Harry Potter. You're going to win this shirt, this tickets to this event, this thing, like make it like this huge Harry Potter theme package and everyone wants to win it. And so there could be judging. You could do like live readings of some of the best scripts. You could do make it this whole week long, like Harry Potter extravaganza and just get people super pumped up who love them some Harry Potter, because that's all you need. You don't necessarily specifically as your product. You don't necessarily need to teach anyone anything and you don't need to get them like learning something. And that's typically what a challenge does. You don't need to get them from point A to point Z. 
So you need them to just get excited and on board with something. And since you have so many different themes that you offer, you could do like 10 different contests and like drum up all of those crowds and all of those excitements. Mm -hmm. And so make it a, a requirement to opt in to even submit for the contest. Drag it out over five days with different giveaways, prizes, live readings, and just different variations of what you've got going on. Have a bomb-ass gift package at the end. And then for anyone else who, like, didn't win, just offer them, like, here's this Harry Potter bundle of, like, all the stuff in your shop that's related to Harry Potter. And, like, they can get it at the special bundle price. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sweet. So then for other products who don't sell those types of things, I think the thing that we'd really like you to focus on is there are some product-based businesses who you could teach something. For instance, like skincare, health and beauty, uh, makeup, stuff like that. You could literally teach like how to use this thing or how to like learn something about your skin so you can make better decisions X, Y, Z, right? But you could simply do like makeup bag makeovers, like literally swapping out the stuff that you have for the things that you sell because they're probably better, right? And like how to use them and different ways to like the 20-minute makeover or something like that. Like you could make it almost like it's like a opt-in on like hyperspeed. It's just live and it's drummed up excitement mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like drawn out over the course of five days instead of like go download this thing. Bye. And you could bring on guest experts for it. You could uh-huh. have other people in your circle that maybe other product-based businesses that are in like the same realm as you kind of work with you on this. I think the whole point of a challenge or a contest is mm-hmm. I, you can do these things on Evergreen. and my experience, they work best during a live event where you're like actively doing it online or whatever, because people get excited because of the other people being excited. So you kind of gather all these people in one place. They all sign up for your email list. That's the number one priority. It doesn't even matter if you generate sales that week. It's all about getting people on your email list quickly so that you can like value drop to them over time. Yeah. Yep. All right. Jessica says, I have a similar goal to you ladies, but for a different industry. I have a blog I've started and a small group to start giving free content and build a community. But how do I start to create my programs? Should I promote a course idea first and then make it or the other way around? So A, I'm just going to take the pressure off and say there's no perfect answer. Whichever way makes sense for your current schedule, audience, life, and what you want to create, go with that one. If you feel like you need to sell it first in order to justify creating it, do it that way. If you're like bursting at the seams with wanting to outline and design and make and create, do it that way. There's no right or wrong answer. We've done both in the past. For my very, very, very first course, I sold it before I created it. Literally just because I wanted to make sure that there was going to be at least one person who wanted to buy it to justify my time making it because I wasn't in that course creating world yet. So I like had the title, I had the price, and I had the general like here's what you're going to learn and take away and here's who it's for. But I hadn't recorded the lessons, I hadn't made any PDFs, I hadn't done any of the videos yet, I hadn't uploaded anything, but I just had a general idea. So literally just start small and and do it for as far as selling it I really think if you're just getting started the getting people to a webinar is the easiest way to sell because you can work on showing them value and showing them your expertise for 30 or 45 minutes and then by the time you pitch to them they're like so ready to buy but oftentimes if you're just emailing them and then you're like I just opened the doors to this I feel like you're way more likely to get crickets yeah like a webinar almost gives them like a test of it and you like so they understand your teachings techniques and do they like your personality and do they actually learn and benefit they from like you? how your voice like sounds like goofy exactly. stuff like that yeah yeah okay dana says i have multiple streams of income for my business each equaling like a percentage of my total income but i really dislike the work involved in one of the income streams would you give it up 
and focus on the one you love and developing other income streams? I think it depends. (laughs) If you know how much of a percentage of your total income it's bringing in, if it's bringing in a significant amount, 20%, 30% or more. Well, it says they're, they're equal percentages. No, I think multiple streams of income, each earning an equal percent of oh, the total okay. income. I don't know. Either way, I still think if it's 20% or more, I would have a hard time giving it up unless you knew that you could take one of your other ones and really, really, really emphasize that so it could make up the difference. If you hate it, I would consider, is there a way for you to step out of it and like bring someone in to help manage it or run it? That's it. Yeah. Like, do you hate offering it or do you just hate doing it? Because there's a difference. Like those are kind of two different questions. But I'm in the camp of, I'm going to tell you what we did. There was a income stream of our business that was like 90% of our total income and we hated it and we cut it. We weren't happy. We knew we didn't want to grow a business that way and we went cold turkey and we cut it. Did we lose like some income over the next couple months and have to take a drastic pay cut as in not make money for two months for two people? Yes. But that was the sacrifice we were willing to make because we 100% knew that the other income stream that was trickling in could be a lot bigger. And that's... And so... I think either way, like you could do either, but I think you need to have a plan. We've been in the camp of a couple times not having a plan and just doing what the F we wanted anyway. And... Mm -hmm. I I just don't want you to be in a place where we weren't earning any money in the meantime. But I still stand behind that not making money in the meantime was still a sacrifice to this day. I'm still willing to make again for the difference of life. So like at the end of the day, I can't tell you what to do with your money and like how much you're earning and where it's going because I don't know what your life is like. But I feel like if you're asking the question, that means you could probably sacrifice it. And so I'm in the camp of, if you don't like what you're doing, fucking cut it. Do not spend another day of your life doing something that doesn't fulfill you. Period. I I don't disagree. I'm just always the one who's like, but money. (laughs) So that's just my personality. But I agree. All right. Michelle's asking... I would love to know more about product okay. creation, not like ideas for them, but how you know it will sell before you okay. create it and some strategies around that. Not launching or anything, but just when you have an awesome idea that you think is awesome, how do you know for sure that it's truly awesome and people will buy it? How do you get that real feedback from your audience that you know they want your product before you go to the work of creating it? Sometimes you don't know. Well, sometimes you don't know, but I think the best way to test is I want you to kind of get a focus group together of your dreamy customers. And I want you to talk to them about your product. In the past, we've done this and we found out they were a hundred percent interested in something that we had an idea for, but the amount they were willing to spend was far lower than we could justify us creating it. And if we hadn't known that, we would have launched it, been super disappointed, and we would have wasted a lot of time. So I think having those conversations with your customers are really important. Now, as far as sometimes people suck and they'll say all day long, oh my God, yes, that would be so amazing. And then you go to sell it and they're like, Mm, no, I don't, I don't really care. So in that instance, depending on what it is, especially if it involves you purchasing something, because uh, if we're talking about product-based business, like, ha- like actually creating it or manufacturing it or whatever, I would consider doing a pre-sale where you have the idea put yes. together. You can show a mock-up or you can show something that is close to what it'll end up being and do a pre-sale for a specific amount of time. If you don't get any sales, then you're not going to waste money on manufacturing or creating it. If it's a digital product, I'm in the camp of just make it anyways. Like have your focus group, sure. But if you don't have that focus group or if like you don't have enough of an audience to give you some valid feedback, because I'm also the person who's like, people don't know what they want until you offer it to them and then sell it to them. 
Like they can sit here and all day long and say, oh yeah, that sounds great. But if that's not what they actually need because you're the boss and you know things that they don't know, then that's not really going to be that helpful. It's our job to create amazing products and then sell it to people because we know that they need it and we know that it can provide value. So part of that job is creating things that you don't actually know if people are going to buy it. But the reason why they're not buying it isn't because the idea isn't great. Like, are we talking about it in the appropriate way? Is it for the people you have in your current audience? Is it like, have you showcased the value? And with digital products, you can change all of that. Like, so I consider no time wasted when you're making something, even if someone doesn't buy it the first time you launch it. You can constantly be making it better, change the name, change the price, change the audience, change the sales page and tweak everything. So... I kind of say if I think her thing is digital with how she's kind of using some words. So Michelle, I think you just need to kind of get the idea, maybe still do a pre-sell like I did for my first course, host a webinar and say, here's this thing. Here's what's going to be in it. Here's why it's awesome. Go buy it and then see if anyone buys it. And then you go make it. The one other thing I wanted to say about that is you can look at other people in your industry. And if something like this already exists, and it's selling, then then there's an audience for it. And so if you're not like, inventing a brand new thing that never existed before, right, then that's not something you have to crazy worry about. But if it's like a product that everyone has seen in somewhere else, and you're just putting your new spin on it, then I would worry less that it's not going to work out and Mm -hmm. focus on how are you going to sell it? Yep. Okay. Kit Kronk wants to know, we've launched Rock Your Biz and seem to be going from strength to strength. How do you figure out what to do next and what is in store for TCC in 2018? So strength to strength, A, thank you. But (laughs) I would also say if you haven't listened to our Rock Your Biz uh, launch Breakdown. Breakdown. I would listen to that. It didn't go exactly as we had planned. So because of that, we have really been reassessing where we're going to take things over the next four to six months and what's coming. I think now more than ever, we don't have our launch calendar as planned out as I expected it to be at this point. We really only have an idea of what's coming through March of next year. But I will say the exciting thing we have in store for 2018 is funnels. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So, okay. I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. So we've realized that everyone and their mother needs to get into Trello because if they get into Trello, they're way, way, way more likely to buy something else from us. Trello is the gateway drug to TCC. It's been said a thousand times, and we are not capitalizing on that. We have not capitalized on it since the day we launched Trello. And so we are actually beginning to capitalize on that. And so figuring out, is there an email funnel? Is there an ad funnel? Is there a webinar funnel? Like literally what is the thing that's constantly talking about Trello to new people and getting them in the door? And there's also a good chunk of our current people who are in our Facebook group, who are in our list that do not have Trello. So like getting them on board. So I think once we accomplish that, we'll then know, okay, what are our Mm -hmm. next steps? So it's kind of based off like going into 2018, we're kind of basing the results off of first quarter to then plan the rest of the year. So Katie Fisher wants to know, building on that, where do we see TCC in the way future, like five to 10 years? Katie, you're crazy. (laughs) We don't know. Uh, We don't know. Literally don't know. I can't guess. I can't put any sort of idea out there. Two years ago, like just looking backwards, like I could not have predicted what we are doing today at all. Mm -mm. So I'm not going to be able to predict what's happening five to 10 years in the future. That said, I do think more than ever, we are focused on how can we be ready for the future and really Mm -hmm. strategically hiring in advance, building our team out, scaling. 
you know, that's where our emphasis is, not necessarily looking at years specifically, but just really mm-hmm. looking at internally our team and how the, our systems work and how everything is functioning. I think that's where our focus is at. Well, and honestly, like, and this isn't to like go to Bragtown. This, these are just literal numbers. Like finishing up year two, like we just finished, like celebrated year two of TCC like a couple weeks ago. Per the other stats of like what other small businesses do in timeframes, we're honestly like dog years. It, we're probably year five, if not more than that, with what we've been able to accomplish financially and growth wise. So it's kind of hard for me to say, are we talking two years from now or five years from now? Because those stats and numbers are vastly different from average businesses. Yeah. So. So. All right. Stephanie is asking, what are your tips for starting a brand new online business today? In a recent podcast, you said that you didn't any envy one who was starting an Instagram account from scratch. I still stand by that. So what advice do you have for someone starting totally from scratch? How do you get your eyes on your business in such a saturated online business world? I do have over 500,000 followers on Pinterest. So I'm assuming I need to start blogging and posting my content to Pinterest stat. (laughs) Oh my God, girl. But even then, how do you go about getting eyes on your biz in other places? What would you prioritize? Okay. There's like so many things I want to say at the same time. First of all, Saturated online business is not a thing. That is not a sentence that actually makes sense because at the rate of people joining the internets, getting internet in developing countries and using internet for their business is growing faster than people being successful at having an online business. So there are far more fishes in the sea than there are people selling to those fishes. So that sentence like is not a sentence. So get that out of your vocabulary because it is not a thing. All right. My second piece is how the French toast do you have 500,000 followers and you aren't even blogging? Like, what are you pinning to Pinterest? Are you just repinning other stuff and people like your board? So they're following you. So I don't know the answer to that, but I want to, this could go two ways. You either have great followers right now because you've been pinning content that's related to whatever your business is or whatever your business is going to be. So the people, those 500,000 people are primed and ready for whatever it is that you're going to sell them. Or you've been using Pinterest just like as a regular human being and people have started following you for some reason or another, but your business isn't even related to why you have those followers. So you might actually have none. But the good news is, the good news is in all of this, no one gives a shit how many followers you have on Pinterest. I couldn't even tell you how many followers we have on Pinterest because I don't give a shit. Because all that matters is do I have content going out that then leads people to my website, that then leads people to my opt-in or my products? And you don't have that right now. So that's a priority. So I think Pinterest, just because of what you do already have, regardless if they're perfect people, I do think it's your current largest opportunity. So I would say, focus on building out your website, focus on building consistent content immediately, and getting Mm -hmm. that pinned to Pinterest. And you already know how to use Pinterest, or you wouldn't be having those followers. But I would also suggest getting in some Pinterest groups, not like group boards specifically related to your industry or what your product is or your services so that you can start finding people that are interested in what you're doing and get in front of new eyeballs that aren't your current people. Because you want to be focusing on repins and clicks on Pinterest, not necessarily followers. Now, as far as starting from scratch anywhere else, everyone starts from scratch. Everyone. And so it it's daunting. I give you that, like, because it is. But you just have to get started and you have to not worry about the numbers. You just have to be focused on being consistent. That's the key. It's not about how many followers you have. It's not about how many people sign up for your email list. 
It's truly, especially in the beginning about creating consistent content and putting it out there over and over and over again, so that people start to pay attention. Well, and the reason why I said I don't envy anyone starting Instagram is just because like the algorithm has changed, growth has changed. It's just different. It's not that it's non-existent. There are businesses succeeding, new businesses succeeding really well on Instagram. It's just not a priority for us because that's not where we're getting our engagement anymore. So I don't care about it anymore as much as I did a year ago, right? So what I'm saying is the foundations for getting visible are the same. And they're what Abby just said, creating great content valuable content that your audience actually wants to see and then getting it in front of them so they can like go click and follow you and like you and like your website and see your products and potentially go buy them where you do that like what platform you choose to nurture is different and can change because social media constantly changes but the foundations for getting visible aren't ever changing no having great content on your website that's not changing you own that building an email list right you own that Those are the only two things you're allowed to own on the internet, unfortunately, is your website and your email list. So capitalize on that. Absolutely. All right. Two more questions and they're quick. Amy says, how often should I be updating my website? What's more important to update photos or copy? So I don't want you massively updating your website super often because you're going to confuse people. Mm -hmm. I would say you can do like, an update, probably like no more than once a year. But ideally, Mm -hmm. you get it to a place where you can really keep it as close to what you currently have for a couple of years. I don't think photos need to change unless like, they're not good or like the lighting sucks or you drastically drastically change. change. Like if you lose a bunch of weight, if you change your hair color, if you go from glasses to not having glasses, Mm -hmm. I think that's when photos are important of you specifically. Now, like just stock photography and all that do something that relates to your brand. Don't do what's like on trend, like focus on what's you and not what's popular. And then copy, I think copy is really good uh, to leave as is, unless you're pivoting your business in some way. So if you go from offering one thing to another, you need to be updating the copy throughout so that that makes sense. But if Mm -hmm. you continue to offer the same thing, updating copy is really unnecessary if it's working. Yep. Uh, last question. Andrea says, does offering something for free at a live auction help or hurt your business? So if for those of you who maybe aren't familiar or confused, a live auction like literally is like people donate their goods, services, products, whatever. And people will like bid on these things, usually for a charity And then you, if you win, you get that package. So like you might be bidding hundreds or thousands of dollars for something that doesn't actually cost that much money because you're giving to charity to win that thing. So at first Emily was like, what are you, what is she talking about? And then I like updated her and she's like, oh, like the event we go to every year. Yeah. Like the event we go to every year. (laughs) So I think what you need to be focused on is a couple of different things. Who is coming to the event? Is the people Mm -hmm. at the event, the live auction, the charity event, the dinner, whatever, are they in your ideal dreamy client situation? If not, then no, don't donate. If yes, Mm -hmm. I want you to be thinking about what is like the mindset they're in. Like if you're offering something B2B, generally this probably won't work very well for you because not enough people will be B2B, even though there might be some business owners there. Right. I think more than likely this is a B2C situation. And also more than likely this is going to be the most effective when it's offered to women. So I think the products Mm -hmm. or services that tend to do really well at live auctions, despite regardless of the audience, regardless of the charity, they tend to be things like family photography sessions, they saw packages, fashion style related things like vacation related things, all of that. I think those tend to do well. Mm -hmm. Now, will you see a return on investment? 
I don't know. It's really going to depend. Right. You have to decide. But it's something, if your thing is a service, it doesn't cost you anything right. to try. If it's a physical product, you might need to weigh those odds of people getting eyeballs on your thing. And so really, really checking in with who the people are. But I would say try it for one and see But it's a tax it write-off. So if, if right. you're donating right. to one of these things, generally you get to write off the amount of the product or service. I would definitely check with your accountant to double check how that all works. But... In general, I would say if, if you fit in one of those product categories that we just talked about, or you are that B2C person and you can figure it out, I think it's worth a shot doing it once. And if it doesn't work, don't do it next year. Exactly. So I hope all of those answers to your amazing questions were helpful. I uh, hope to see you around again for another Q&A with Abigail and Emily. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.